Welcome to Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And tonight we're talking about Philippians Philippians 3. Yes. What a great chapter. What a good chapter. So, uh, we've been working our way through Philippians. We talked about our introductory letter, uh, or the introduction to the letter really in chapter 1 where they... He was telling the church in Philippi how well it was doing. And, mm-hmm. and how we, they prayed for him. Right. And then we did, last week we did Philippians 2. And that was like, put aside yourself and don't look out for your interests only, but for the, just like Jesus put aside his privilege as mm-hmm. God. And so. Which even that, I thought about afterwards. I mm-hmm. thought, you know, even that, that was a message to Christians that are maturing. Yeah, yeah. That church was ready to to hear that to go bigger, yeah, yeah. and that's right. what he was talking about. Yes, this whole this whole Philippians is all so encouraging, mm-hmm. and it's it's all just. I don't think he criticizes them at all in the entire letter. No, I don't think he does. I think I think it, he's giving advice the way you would give advice to someone that you love that's doing things right the, about growing farther. Yeah, and the so. only thing in this chapter he does. Um, point out uh, two different sects of, uh, I guess, believers or whatever, people who would say they're believers, but they aren't the Philip, they're not the Philippian church, they're believers who have problems, and so he does talk about them, but it's more to warn them not to fall under their spell. That's something within this, this this is very early on, obviously, in the the entire new church, Mm -hmm. so um, the influences he's dealing with in all these other churches and stuff could easily bleed into, you know, the neighboring churches. So Right. And, and so he knows probably better than anyone being having a background as a Pharisee how if someone comes in and tries to make a doctrine. Yeah. And he talks about that in this one about how the legalism can get in the way. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a fair warning. And I think it's a good thing for all of us to consider and think about as well. Well, I think so because I think um it's, well, we'll talk about that, but I, I think we so easily fall into legalism mm-hmm. because it's so much easier just to have a set of rules and just follow mm-hmm. those rules rather than thinking and really believing. Sure. You know, I don't know if that's my thought, but do you want to start? Uh, you want me to read? Philippians uh, 3, 1 through 6. 1 through 6. And, yeah, and we, we'll do a few different... We've got different translations we're working off of, and that works just fine either way, so... Yeah, any translation is just fine. Just... Okay. Okay. So I'm going to read this out of the NIV, which okay. I have right in front of me at the moment. So, Okay. Uh, through, what do you want, six? Yeah, one through six. Yeah. Okay. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and have put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, the people of the of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Mm. So Paul's Paul's saying don't pay attention to people that are trying to get into legalism because if they want to say somebody's not right, I was as right as it could be. Mm-hmm. 
But I wasn't right. But no. I, I've got, I tick every box anybody wants to put there for you, and that's not it. And and nobody could say it better than Paul. Right. Or he says it this way. Right. He he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I mean, he was strict. Mm-hmm. I mean, he held the coats when Stephen was stoned, and he thought that was just fine. And yep. he went was on the road to Damascus where Jesus stopped him in and his he's tracks. He's of the tribe of Benjamin. I yeah. mean, if it was, if there was a, a resume that could be put forth for a Pharisee and for someone to be the perfect Jew, right? He was it, and he was he had it, and he was good at this legalism stuff because. Oh, yeah. Because all the Christians were afraid of him. He was an up-and-comer. He was yeah, a mover and, and shaker. Yeah, and they knew who he was. He wasn't high-ranking um, within the Pharisees or the Sadducees, but he was one of those guys that was a zealot for them, and um, they were not going to find fault with him, so they were sending him on these missions. Yeah, to get that's the believers. When, yeah, yeah, and that's when Jesus called him in. So. so this morning I was reading this a little bit, and then I was reading some other stuff, mm-hmm. and something... Well, can I read this from the the Message Devotional Bible? Sure. It's talking about um, when Paul accepted Christ. Yeah, right. go ahead. Okay. The basic experience of Paul's life was of being encountered and then captured by the living Christ. God wanted Paul, and he got him. Paul hadn't sought God. God sought him. That was what happened on the Damascus Road, and it turned Paul's life around. And... I think I, that I kind of we already talked about this this morning, but that still has stayed with me mm-hmm. because God wanted Paul. Paul wasn't even seeking God, mm-hmm. and and but when he was faced with the truth, he turned around. And Jesus wanted. Paul. Yeah, Jesus wanted Paul to the point where he appeared to him. I think Jesus wanted to grab a hold of Paul's life, not to stop Paul. But to use Paul and say, yeah. hey, if you take your energy and you put it in the right direction, this is what you should be doing. And I will say, Paul didn't argue with him. I mean, no. it was very miraculous and he couldn't see. Well, he and struck him blind and yeah, yeah, yeah. all those things. But he he willingly submitted to him. But I do like the thought that Jesus wanted him and went after him and got him. And it's the same thing like we talked this morning about Jacob who was... Uh, a liar, a, yeah, a lot of issues, and God sought him out too by giving him the 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 dream of angels and ladders. When he was just running from Esau, he was scared to death for his life. Right, and so uh, the reason why I bring this up is that sometimes, with especially with people we love who are in our lives and who are not following Jesus, just be at peace. God's got it. He's going to get them. You know, he's pursuing them. It's not like he's not going to do it lackadaisical. He's he's on a mission. You know, I mean, that just encouraged me. So, mm-hmm. anyway. Well, in, in this passage that we just read, 1 through 6, it talks about legalism mm-hmm. and the fact that it's so easy for us as humans to try and create something like that. Well, you know, could you... Whether it's doctrine or whether whatever rules you want to whatever name you want to give the rules that you have the norms if you want to call them that for your church whatever it's traditions traditions Um, but i was going to say could you give us though most people probably know what it means could you give us a definition of legalism 
A definition of legalism. Because okay. we throw that term around, and once people hear it, if they don't know what it means, if they hear the definition, they, they'll understand, oh, of course that's what it means, because the definition is really kind of like in the, in the, in the word. But Okay. Well, according to the dictionary here, theologically it means dependence on moral law rather than on personal religious faith. That's true. That's what it is. I think a lot of times um, legalism is is really started by people that are just trying to find order. Yeah. They want to get, um, they want to know for sure this is right, this is wrong, this is left, this is right. Um, they just want to, they want to classify everything so they can control it. Mm. Yeah. Faith can be thing. scary because yeah. God can take you in uncontrollable places mm. if you let him. Mm-hmm. And that could be intimidating. Um, I think that's what it gets down to. When we have a set of rules, and they could be good rules. A lot of times they are good rules. It's because we're trying to control the situation. It makes it safer, feels sure. safer, and gives you a little sense of certainty, or you think it does. Well, and that was the same thing with the with the Pharisees. You know, their their role was legalism. That's what they did. That was their mission in life was keeping all these mosaic laws and traditions and things that were not, some of them were not very biblical at all, but they decided that this is the way it should be. And so they could control other people by saying, you should be doing this. I do it right. You should be doing it the way I do it. And anytime we do something like that, anytime we start putting uh, boundaries on someone else's faith, we're really doing them a disservice because yeah. God could be taking them in a completely different direction from where you've been taken in your in your walk with God or you know, your experiences could be com- completely different than anyone else. You know, too, I think also it kind of, um, and maybe not intentionally, but it really shows a distrust of that believer and their connection with the Holy Spirit. Oh, very much so. Because the Holy Spirit will speak to every single believer, and He will guide them. And maybe sometimes their walk isn't looking the way we think it should, but the Holy Spirit's speaking, and God's not worried about it. And I don't think we're supposed to be worried about it. No, and I think that that's the other thing. I think there are there's just a natural human distrust of others. Yeah. And a church, let's just use that with a small c, the church, um, is a very intimate setting. Mm. And a lot of people are afraid that someone's going to rock the boat or going to upset the church or going to change things that they don't like or bother people or something like that. So they set down these rules and say, this is what we think. This is what we believe. This is mm-hmm. what our our rules are. And... You know, some people take real comfort comfort in that. Mm-hmm. They feel comfortable having rules, mm-hmm. and okay, but don't sit, don't. I don't think we should be making rules for others. Mm-hmm. You I know, agree. Paul talks about that. You know, when he talks about eating, mm-hmm. he says, "Eat what you want to eat, but don't eat something that's going to offend someone else. Mm-hmm. It's not worth doing that." Right. So you know, it's if this is your rules, these are your rules. If this is what you feel led by God that is right and wrong, then that's fine. But don't force it on someone else and don't do anything that's going to cause someone else to stumble. Right. 
So what might be, you know, normal for you might not be for the next person. Right, right. You know. It's really that, and that, we really need to be led by the Spirit and all that. We love God and love people. We love God first and then we love people. And we don't, we, uh, I mean, I don't want someone to tell me what to do except for God. Right. You know, and sometimes you. Well, and and it, (laughs) yeah, right. I did something you told me to do. I put shoes on yesterday. Remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to go catch a horse. Yeah, and I said she shouldn't do it barefoot. No, you didn't say that. You said you put shoes on before you go do that. Right. And so I did. You shouldn't do it barefoot. And I did. See? Okay. Okay. Well, and the other thing, I think, too, when we look at this, we have to look at people through God's eyes. Yes. And if God wants us all, warts and all, bumps and all, everything that's going on, If we look at the biblical principles and we are walking within the biblical principles, as long as there's not something there that someone is saying, well, I feel like God says I can do whatever I want. No, that's not what God says. Right. But I can't say this is because I think it's better for you. Right. I would give, if someone asked me advice, I would give them the advice. Right. But on the other hand, I'm not going to ban someone from the church because they're different than I am. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? How about I read the next part, oh, okay. 7 through 9? You're and going to read re- this out of the message? Yeah, I'm going to read this out of the message. Okay. The very credentials, these people, oh, these people are the legalists again, the mm-hmm. pharisaical people. <clears throat> the very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant, dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so I could embrace Christ Christ, and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules, when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. So we've, we've, we've kind of been talking about this, but mm-hmm. I do like how it says, um, I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness. I want the robust kind of righteousness. And so obviously the petty, inferior brand of righteousness, he's talking about the rulemaking, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, in mine it says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, mm-hmm. but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Mm-hmm. Basis of faith. <clears throat> faith is faith is, is an overwhelming concept for Paul in all of his letters. He talks about faith a lot. Yeah. And understanding that what faith is, and the faith is following where Christ leads you, and not a predetermined path, like he had been gone. Mm-hmm. He'd done everything right in mm-hmm. his life up to this point. He checked all the boxes. He, yeah. got, he got the education he needed. He, mm-hmm. got, he did everything he was supposed to do. He was circumcised on the right day. He was from the right tribe, everything else. And he says, that's all just garbage mm-hmm. next to faith. Faith is, faith. Faith, is, faith is true righteousness. You cannot have righteousness without faith. The thing about faith is we do... Uh, God will never go against his own word. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, and so mm-hmm. 
if you feel led, you think you feel led to do something, but it's like against God's word, then it is wrong. But if it's maybe not what other Christians do, but it's just a accepted norm. Well, think about our walk. Okay. Um, as of last week, we've been married 27 years. Yeah, and he got me some new rings today. Oh, yeah. Well, they came today. I okay. ordered them a couple weeks ago. They just got here. He they had were to supposed cut. to be here for th- for our anniversary. But he had to cut my other ones off because my fingers got too fat. So No, your fingers have arthritis in the joints. They're not fat. Well, okay. Well, anyway. Okay. They're larger anyway, than they used to be. If you think about <laughs> our walk and the way that we have got from where we were to where we are, mm-hmm. I know for a fact that... Many people that really, really care about us would have thought we were doing things wrong all along. Yes, that is true. In many ways, the adoptions we went in, yes. we went through, um, Hawking, um, leaving the job that I had with the state to come up here for the church. Um, there's a lot of things that people would have told us that doesn't make sense. It's not mm-hmm. right. It's it's an unwise decision. It's we felt led by God, so we, we followed it, and God has blessed it. But, <clears throat> and I'm not saying we're perfect in any stretch of the imagination. Oh, no, no. That we always follow the way God wants us to go. But we try. if we look at it from a worldly standpoint, we've made bad decisions. Mm-hmm. And yet, God has blessed every one of those decisions mm-hmm. because it's bad in the world's eyes, but it was right. It was what God wanted for us. That is, sometimes God will lead you in quirky ways or ways that make no sense to someone else. But if you know it's God, you go for it. And that's living by faith. So um, I want to read this. This is a guy, his last name is Meyer. I got it off of, oh, let's see. I got it off of the Enduring Word Bible Commentary website. And I didn't get his whole name. I Mm. can't remember his name. But he, he is talking about legalist Mm-hmm. people who are le- into legalism. He said, these people are the cranks of our churches. They introduce fads and hobbies. They exaggerate the importance of trifles. They catch up every new theory and vagary and follow it to the detriment of truth and love. I just I kind of like they're the cranks. Yeah. Don't go around calling people names, though. So. <laughs> well, and in that reference there, he talks about introducing fads and hobbies and catching up on new theories and, and, and all these little things. Yeah. I, I think that's something we got to be, be leery of, too. And I know why a lot of these things happen. From a leadership perspective, um, people are always trying to find ways to draw in new people, draw in new converts, mm-hmm. stop stagnation, Stop that kind of stuff going on. So they will come up with new plans and new ideas and new witnessing mm-hmm. uh, scripts and all sorts of things. And they're all very well-intentioned. Right. And most legalism is very well-intentioned. Yeah. But the core emphasis always has to be going back to that faith. If it's not going back to the faith and the love and the truth that is the biblical truth that we have, if it's not going back to that, then it's just window dressing. Yeah. You know, you can put the lipstick on a pig, but it doesn't change it. It's still a pig. Yeah. So if you have a problem in your church, um, repainting the walls is not going to be the fix. Mm-hmm. Unless or, that's the problem. Yeah, hmm, yeah I highly doubt that. <laughs> but 
it's just one of those things, and it and it unfortunately, you know, a lot of uh, we are blessed. Um, we are very blessed, I think, that I'm the pastor of a Southern Baptist church. Um, I don't have a bishop. We have a convention. We have uh, local uh, associations within the state here to, to support each other. But I don't have a bishop coming in saying, well, you need to do it this way. And this is the way we decided we're all going to do it in <clears> June. <throat> in June, everyone has to do this. Um, a lot of the larger um, denominations. denominations, or not larger, but the ecumenical denominations, the Lutherans, yeah. the Catholics, the Methodists, the Presbyterians, they will come out and say, this is what you're going to do this yeah. month. And unfortunately, that, that falls flat more than it is successful. Yeah. But th- I know it's well-meaning. Oh, yeah. They're trying to do something positive, but right. it unfortunately doesn't always go that way. So, All right, Maybe let's continue next, on okay. here. So I'm going to read... 10 through 14. 10 through 14. Okay, again, I'm going back to the NIV, so it sounds a little bit different voicing here. That's but okay. it's my voice. So <laughs> 10 through 14. I want, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Mm, that's so good. I love that verse 12, and I, I want to tear that down apart just a little bit. Okay. He says, not that I have already obtained all this. So he's saying, you know, he considers all the things in his past to be garbage, but he says he hasn't attained it. He's and still- Paul is the one that they're looking up to as being the authority on everything, and he says, I'm, I'm not there yet. Yeah. I'm working towards it. I thought that I'm, was important, too. I'm really working towards it, but I'm not there. Mm-hmm. I like that. I you do don't too. hear that very often from people. And I think, you know, I, I thought about that because especially um, leaders, teachers, preachers, mm-hmm. uh, big name ones or whatever, uh, you don't always hear that, like, hey, I don't know everything kind of thing. With, but I think you should. Well, and I we think have a, with all we have, of us, we should do that. We have a tendency to put people in those positions on such a pedestal. Yeah, and that's that they not can't good show, for them. They can't show yeah. the, the weaker sides of themselves, which is unfortunate uh, because we all have that. And if we, I think it's a better relationship with us, mm-hmm. with each other, if we understand that we struggle on things too. The other part of this that I really like, though, in that verse 12, it says, I press on to take hold of that which for Christ... That for which Christ took hold of me. Jesus had a plan for Paul, and he says, I'm trying to fulfill the job that Jesus mm. gave me. Mm. God, Jesus got a hold of me for a specific purpose, and mm. I'm reaching for that, trying to get there. And I think all of us, if we are honest with ourselves, I don't think we ever stop trying. No. And that's why he says in the end, I press towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward mm-hmm. in Christ Jesus. In other words, I know the finish line is going to be when I'm in heaven. Mm-hmm. So until I get to the finish line, I'll slow down. Mm-hmm. 
I keep reaching for farther and farther and farther for that goal. I think, you know, if you're still alive, God still has a plan for your life. Even if mm-hmm. you're 90 or whatever, you know, at, at always, he's always going to use you because that's a delight to be used by him. And, and he wants you to be a co-laborer with him. It's just... Yeah, there's no time that we're given in the Gospels or in any of the rest of the New Testament where somebody said, oh, good job. You can sit around for the next 20 years. You, 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 did, you, know, you don't get a gold watch in retirement here on this side of heaven. You know, I think, though... When we get to heaven yeah, is when we get the retirement. I think some people feel like, okay, I'm this old now. I don't have to do anything else. I'm not, not saying... I don't even know anybody like that. Well, I did a long time ago. But the reason I think sometimes that happens is that people get burned out. They do things in their own strength. And they're just so darn tired. I think so. And I think also, I, I agree with that. But I also think that roles change yeah, over well, time. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. You know, when you have young children, um, you're very involved in VBS. And you're very involved in Sunday school with little kids and stuff like that. Uh, partially because you have young children involved. Mm-hmm. And partially because you have a lot of energy at that age. Mm-hmm. You're used to it. You're used to the chaos. You're used to all right. that stuff. That's why uh, so many of our elementary teachers are so awesome at this. Right. Because that's right. what they do for a living. Right, right. But as you age and your your roles in, in your family change, mm-hmm. you go from being mom to being grandma, mm-hmm. your role in the church is probably going to change too. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. The way the, the only thing that could be negative about that is if, Nobody steps in to take the mom role when you step into the grandma role. Yeah. We have to constantly be backfilling ourselves with, with young people. And that's why I, I think it's so important in churches for us to give responsibilities and roles to our younger members so mm-hmm. that they can grow into it. Mm-hmm. And so that, yeah, the, the people that have been, you know, officers within the church, for, they've been secretaries or treasurers or or whatever forever, they shouldn't do that until the day they die. No. Someone else should take that responsibility, but that doesn't mean that they don't have something to give. Right. And I think that's, we shouldn't look at it as what should, what do I have to do, but instead what do I have to give? Mm-hmm. And there is so much wealth to be getting, to be received by all of us from those that have gone before us. And have done the things that we're doing now. So I always take, um, with great seriousness, I always take advice from people. Mm-hmm. Because they've been there and done that. Mm-hmm. And it's always it's always been well-meaning. I haven't had any negatives. But it's just one of those things. In the same way, I could take it from a young person mm-hmm. who says, Hey, i got this great idea. I love that. Mm-hmm. Come and tell me your great idea. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I need a boost from someone younger to to push me forward and get me going again because I'm stagnating. And, you know, it's everyone has a different perspective. Hmm? So everyone has something to give. Plus, we're all in one body. I mean, if well, we're not yeah. functioning, we're hurting the body. And that's why I love, like, when we do adult Sunday school so much mm-hmm. is because God may give me a message 
directly through someone else. Mm-hmm. So someone else has a perspective or has a way of looking at it or can put it into words that I wouldn't have put it into, and it comes to me and it hits me like a brick, and I go, aha, that's what I was trying to wrap my head around, and you just, you, God lets you speak that, that mm-hmm. truth to me. So I, that's why I love it when we openly and honestly talk back and forth. One of the things that, as a pastor, that um, initially I found a little bit daunting, and now I just don't pay attention to it, um, is kind of what Paul's talking about here is, Anybody who's ever heard me preach or knows me at all will tell you that I never claim to know it all in any no. way, shape, or form. And I don't, I don't ever want to be the person that knows it all. Mm-hmm. I love being a member. I consider myself a member of our church. Right. I, yeah, I'm the pastor on Sunday. I'm the one up front. But I'm just a member of the church, just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. So, and that... That is where I think sometimes, like you talked about, you know, mega church pastors and television pastors and all that kind of stuff, they can get off track because, first of all, people put them on that pedestal, and secondly, they stop being members of the congregation. Yeah, they're just kind of speakers. Yeah, they become a celebrity instead of being just one of the guys. Yeah. And you need to be just one of the guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. So I'm going to read the next okay. three verses, 15 through 17. So... Let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us, if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running the same course, headed for the same goal. And I like how he, um, how the message here says um, uh, that a half-hearted commitment is called blurred vision. Mm. Because it is. If you're not seeing God, I mean, it, when you totally see Jesus, I mean, you're going to completely commit to Him. Maybe. Well, well, what do you think? Am I wrong? Well, no, I think you're right. When I read 15 out of the NIV, it says, "All of us then who are mature should take such thing, such a view of things." In other words, he's talking to a church that's fairly mature, mm-hmm. that's that's doing things right, that's growing. In the right direction, he says we should take such a view of continuing on, pressing mm-hmm. towards the goal, you know, finish it out. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Mm. So if it's a little thing, it's a little hiccup in the road, God's going to figure that out. Don't yeah. worry about it. God yeah. will tell you what, what you need to do. And he says that we're supposed to keep track of each other. Mm-hmm. And that's just, you know, we need to... Any one of us could fall into some sin or get off track or or just get blinded by the world. And we're supposed to be there not to condemn each other, but to say, hey, 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 come back. Mm-hmm. And, and just to bring us back, you know, not to... Not to point fingers, but to come alongside and say, hey, come on, let's, I'll pray with you, and we're, we're going to straighten this out. And this walk that we have as Christians is not meant to be solo. No. We're not meant to be alone. The only way you could possibly be alone if you were like one of the Old Testament hermits and you went off and lived in a cave somewhere and the world had no effect on you, then, you know, but that's not the way we live. No, it's that's not. It's not the world that we live in today. And so while we... You can strive to do your best, and you can be so in, in in love with God. You can spend all your time in the Word. You can do all those things. We still need each other. Mm-hmm. And that 
that community, that concept of community within the church is a huge portion of our faith. And we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And that family thing where we are adopted into God's family, the family concept there is so important. Mm -hmm. You don't let your brothers and sisters down. No. You don't let them falter. If they need a hand, you give them a hand. If you need a hand, you ask them because they're your brothers and sisters and you can. And I think that 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 thought that you said, the family of God, mm-hmm. I think that is so important that we need to feel like our church is a family because I know there are times that people, you know, just like as families do, you fight, you know, some trouble comes in. And if we see our church as a family, we're not going to just abandon ship and go find a different church. I mean, we need to be committed because that's how we can grow with each other. Of course there's going to be problems. Of course someone's going to say something wrong. We're human. Or someone's going to say something you take wrong. Yes. You know, and that's one of the things that as humans we have a tendency to do is we, we translate into our own brain something that may not have been intended that way. Or maybe it was intended in, in a in a negative way, and, but we take it in and we, and then we we remold it into something that is offensive to us or bothers us or something like that, and we dwell on it. Mm-hmm. We make it an idol and we put it up on our on our mantelpiece so we get to see that that mm-hmm. hurt every day. And really, you know, Jesus said, "Love." You know, we're supposed to love one another, and they'll know you're Christians by your love. Right, and he said, you know, the first, the first, the most important law is that we love God with all our heart and all our soul and all our strength, and we love each other. Is the second one, and mm-hmm. to love each other like family, you're never not family. Yeah, you're never not family. Now I know uh, family as a world. From a world perspective, maybe is terrible because we're so dysfunctional as humans, and there are families that are haven't spoken to each other in forty years, sort of thing. That's not what he's talking about when he says family. That's no. not that. That's not the model of family that God gave us, uh, either in the Old or the New Testament. The model He gave us is 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 where we love each other. Um, you know, Jesus said, "No, no greater love is this than the man lay down his life for his mm-hmm. brother." So, you know, if you are in pain or you are hurting, there is a Christian brother that wants to help you. Mm-hmm. You just got to let them. I, I There's something that's, I've got this uh, daily devotional C.S. Lewis writings that mm-hmm. they kind of split between, you know, you know, it's in the bathroom. So mm-hmm. that's when I read it. It's really short. But one of the days I read, it was about, he was talking about the church and how unique the church is because... The church will bring together people that are completely different, unlike any other organization. Because if you have some kind of club or whatever, everyone has a common interest. The only thing common with us as a church is our belief in Jesus Christ and how God can take so many different kinds of people and bring us all into unity. And that's really an amazing thing. And it's only God can do that. But... Could you just read the rest of the chapter, 18 through 21? Yeah, 18 through 21. Yeah. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is in their, is their stomach, and their glory is in, is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Mm. But our citizenship is in heaven. 
and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Mm. So He's... he's That's amazing. He's Is that drawn, it? Yeah. Um, well, I... So he's, he's drawing the line between the world and and the church and the world and believers and believers are our citizenship is not on this earth but he also this is from the enduring word bible commentary Mm -hmm. these people who are enemies of the cross or whatever Mm -hmm. he it says paul had to contend with people like this in first corinthians 6 12 through 20 and romans 6 who thought that salvation comes without repentance and conversion and who thought that as long as your soul was saved, it didn't matter what you did with your body. So this would be the extreme, the opposite extreme from legalism would be license. So they thought they could do what, yeah, I accepted Jesus. Sure, I'm saved. And I can do whatever I want in my body because... Right. My, and, and so... And, and what they're doing then, of course, not only are they tearing themselves down, and but they're also damaging all the church because of it. Yeah. And that's not looking out for your brother. No. And it's... If your brother is an alcoholic, you don't drink in front of him. And it's also... And you don't invite him out to the bar. No. And you know, there's certain things you don't do just because of the love that you have for each other and the love that you have for Christ. And this was this was one of the problems in these... these the church in Corinth and the, and the Roman church as well. Yeah. Is that they accepted salvation... But they didn't want to get rid of what they had before salvation. And this is, these are in, you know, when you're talking about Corinth, you're talking about Greece. And when you're talking about Romans, you know, you're in in the Roman Empire at this point in time. Um, Yeah. Legendary hedonists. Yeah. uh, The bacchanalia, this stuff was just absolutely crazy. And they didn't want to give up the partying. They just wanted to get the guarantee for heaven, but then I'll still do what I did. And Paul says, that's not right either. Because you're, 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 it, it says right here, their glory is in their shame. And we're not supposed to live for the flesh, for yeah. base desires. I mean, desires are, 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 it's, we're supposed to find pleasure in this life just because we love God and love people. Mm-hmm. There is such pleasure in that. And we're not supposed to be like how in the Middle Ages that the monks and stuff would wear hair shirts and beat themselves. And I mean, we're not supposed to do that, but we're supposed to have self-control. And we're supposed to, it goes to the fruit of the Spirit. That's how our life is supposed to be. Nothing comes before your faith. Yeah. And if nothing comes before your faith, everything after it will follow your faith. Right. And That's true conversion. And there are people that will... um, Say that, well, yeah, I, I accepted Christ. I, I walked forward in a church one time. Was it a true conversion or not? Did you see? If you can walk away from it and pretend it never happened later on, other than occasionally when you need to pull it out of your pocket and right. say, yeah, I did this once. And you can't, just because you say a few words, I mean. That's not necessarily do you, faith. Do you love Jesus or don't you? I mean, you choose Jesus or you don't. It's not halfway. I mean, it's, it's like that thing they say, you're either pregnant or you're not. You can't be half pregnant. Right. And so you're either a believer or you're not. So yeah. I guess we really should wrap this up. Yeah, we're getting into almost 40 minutes here. So, but If you're still with us. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a lovely chapter to read. It's very short. 
It's very easy to read 21 verses Mm -hmm. to read through Philippians 3. And another thing I would encourage you to do, um, and an easy way to do it is the way that I do it. I go online to BibleGateway.com. And if you want to read these different translations mm-hmm. of the Bible and see different commentaries on it and things, they're available there. So it's a great resource to go in they there and look at different translations things. On oh, yeah. And, and it it's, is it's fun. Yeah. It's fun to look and see the, the different ways that, that you can say the same thing, which is what it is, mm-hmm. because these are all translations of God's Word. So, Well, I guess we should, like, say goodbye. All right. Hey, next week we'll do uh, Philippians 4. Yeah, we'll move on to the next chapter. Okay, bye.